Em Rossiano and Michael Lucas. If a girl looks like me, I'll go for her. I mean, come on. You've got to respect that. <laughs> this is Emsolation. For me, it was just blank rejection, no sex. <laughs> I don't think parents congratulate kids when they come out every time. I know I will if that happens here. That's your dream job. Sit at home with a microphone. Judging hot people. <laughs> You're in Emsolation. Hello, my fine friends. Welcome to Emsolation. I think it's like episode 15. Can you believe it? We are a podcast for those of you trying to navigate the new way of living, you know, sometimes with useful advice and sometimes with entire episodes dedicated to sperm. I'm so sorry. About last time, I can confirm none of today's ep will be about jizz. Let me just think. No, none. I can't believe I had to think. Now, have you followed us on the Instagram yet? It's at Emsolation Podcast. Get amongst it. Get around us. You know you want to. And also, if you have an Emsolation membership through Patreon, Scotty and I are going to be doing a live Q&A tonight for patrons of this podcast. It's very exclusive. You have to be a member of Emsolation to be able to watch Scotty and I. If you'd like to do that, go to the listen page at emraciano.com for all the info. Basically, it's a way for you guys to support and um, help us give the show a budget. It means I can pay the performers I get on and we're also working on show merch. Um, so if you did get something out of this podcast and you want to support it further, that would be a super cool way for you to do it. So just go to mraciano.com and, and click on the listen page and all the info on that is happening. But yes, for all you EMSA ladies and EMSA lovers, Q&A tonight, 7.30 with Scott and I. So I realised that I probably need a hobby. I mean, I don't have the time or energy for one, but I think, I think the time has come for me to have something else. On Sunday, I did something I never do. After I put the baby down, I went and I sat in my study and I started painting. I did. I just got, because there's so many paints in this house because both my girls are painters. And I just sat myself down up at my desk. And normally when I put the baby down, I use that time to catch up on emails, washing, cooking, like life, you know, you know the drill. It was one of those people when someone said to me, oh, you should sleep when the baby sleeps. And I was always like, oh, fuck off. Am I going to email when the baby emails? Am I going to wash when the baby washes? It is the most unhelpful thing to say to a new mother sleep when the baby sleeps. It just I just used to look at people with a deranged look on my face like, have you ever had a newborn? But anyway, so instead of doing that, I made myself sit down and do something just for me. And I really enjoyed it. I just made it, I just did a little dumb painting of wattle. And then I made some little wooden effigies of my children, which my eldest daughter said was creepy. And she worried I was using as like video dolls. But I, I painted their little faces on some little wooden dolls I'd found at a $2 shop to paint because I got it thinking we were going to do all these crafternoons as a family during ISO. Didn't happen. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I was going through the ISO cupboard the other day with all the wholesome things I bought. I was delusional at the stuff I thought was going to happen in this house, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. You know, I like painting and I like doing that stuff because it puts me in the moment and the loud chatter that goes on in my head is quiet for a time because there's always constant talk going on in my mind. It is relentless. But when I'm on stage and when I'm singing and when I'm telling jokes and also when I'm painting And also when I play Mario Kart, weirdly, I'm completely quiet in my head and I love it. My husband has a hobby and he's really dedicated to his hobby. He makes time and space for it. He fights for it. He spends money on it. He wants to be the best at it. And a lot of you know that the hobby I speak of is cycling. And I know that he would take issue with me calling it a hobby because I think in his heart, he still hopes one day to get the call up to the Tour de France. (laughs) He's got an indoor cycling game cave and, you know, he takes it very seriously. He listens to cycling podcasts. Can you imagine? 
Can you imagine anything worse? But he loves them. And when we're in the car, the, the funniest thing that he does that I kind of make fun of him about, but when we're in the car and if we're driving, you know, around, because we live in an area where people cycle a lot, a lot of hills out in the bush. And when we, when we come near a cyclist, he slows the car down and kind of looks meaningfully at them, like as though saying, I am one of you. You know, it's like that Hunger Games salute the Katniss does. And he's overly cautious and he gives him an extra wide berth. And I've been watching him do this for ages. And finally the other day I said to him, you know that they can't tell that you're a rider when you do that. You just look like a creepy jerk peering at people wearing tight lycra. Like there isn't a cyclist sense. What are you going to do? You just, well, are you going to lift your sleeve up and show them your tan line? And he looks at me and he's like, they know. Like they don't know. <laughs> but he does just slow down and just look at them like, yeah, bro. Yeah. I'm sure when I'm not in the car he yells out words of encouragement to other cyclists. He also goes on Strava. Have you guys, if you're married to a cyclist or no one or with one, Strava is bike riding Tinder. Basically, they go on rides, they put their rides up online, other people have ridden those tracks and roads and you can see how fast someone did a route and you can give people thumbs up and kudos and you can see if you beat Bob, you know, he, he rode one hill in five minutes, maybe he didn't three, and he spent so much time on this and he reads all the comments, he loves it. So, you know. Maybe I'm jealous. Maybe my resentment towards Scott cycling is I'm jealous that he has something. I don't know what I'd do though. I just feel like I don't have anything that's middle ground me, you know, something that's not tied to the family or my job. I just feel like I don't have something that, you know, has nothing to do with my identity of, you know, public M and family M. And I don't know what that is. And I don't know how to find it. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to have to talk to Scott about it, aren't I? That's his job. Maybe that's something we could do for next week. Would that be helpful to you if Scott and I talked about trying to rediscover that middle ground? Because I think women especially forget themselves and who they are. And I don't know, I've spent so much of my life contorting to be other people's versions of me. I don't actually know who I am sometimes. God, that ended in a place where I didn't think it would. (laughs) All right. Well, it's probably time to move on. Bumper edition. Oh, my goodness. Michael Lucas, of course, is coming up next. We're going to do a celeb pandemic wrap up because there's been a few interesting things happen this week. Also, Joel Creasy, my darling, one of my best friends. I love him so dearly. He's also going to be dropping by to let you know what he's been up to. And I have some amazing news for you. Friday morning, bonus episode of Emsolation. That's right. Tomorrow, when you wake up, if you're listening to this on the Thursday, I assume you will rush out and listen straight away. You know that. Um, there's going to be a chat between Michelle Andrews and I. She is one half of the Shameless podcast duo. She's an incredible woman. They've written a book. They've got the number one podcast in Australia. It's amazing. You're going to learn so much from hearing from her. So that's a bit exciting. And if it goes well, I might do a few more, a few more little bonus eps. Also, Scotty B will be back on Tuesday. We've decided that Tuesday will be Scott's day. Uh, It's just a bit hectic with the baby at home. He's shifted his nap times. It's too stressful. And he's happy with once a week. He's happy to build up to that. So if you have something you'd like my husband to help you with, it's hello at mraciano.com. And um, anything, anything, goals, life, work, he's here for you. All right, we should get into it. Someone else is here for you and usually me. Mr. Michael Lucas. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. All right, well, it's been a while since we've done a celebrity pandemic wrap up. I'll bring you my partner in crime, who's actually in the bit of, middle of a bit of a Twitter war with everyone. Is that right? Has people come for you on Twitter? 
Well, I, I, I would say it's a pretty one-sided war. I'm going to claim most of the support. I just get the odd person who often, you know, has like a profile picture that's just, uh, you know, some sort of an egg or something like an that. An egg. So <laughs> I feel my armies are strong, but yeah, I'm getting some flack. You've got to explain the tweet. Well, last night I uh, was, well, <laughs> you'll be shocked to hear, thoroughly enjoying MasterChef. And um, I tweeted that uh, MasterChef in 20. 20- 20 is basically a 90-minute celebration of gay and Asian energy, and it's clearly what Australian primetime television has been missing. And generally, people were very, very, very happy. But then I did get quite a lot of people saying, well, I don't even see gay or Asian. I just see passion and good cooks. And then I got a lot more oh, like, people going, off. so what? what? Why? Well, why would you point this out? No, well, I get it. I do get it because I think I what don't. they're saying is, no, well, I mean, obviously I agree with me. But, um, but I, <laughs> I just think it's a pithy observation and I think it also shows how far we've come and I just think it's accurate also. So Well, they, know, would say, people- they would say I think that, um, you know, why should if we all want equality then why would we make a big deal of this? But I have to, I, oh. I feel like... I feel like you've got to understand that if you've grown up never, and obviously I am not Asian, uh, I am gay. You're married and to, you're married to an quite, Asian quite strong t- ties to the Asian community. You know yeah. what you are? You're, As- you're Asian adjacent. And it's still so exciting to see, you know, if you grow up never seeing um, people people that you identify with on TV, it's usually Agreed. exciting to see. And that other night when they did the noodle challenge, like basically mm. all of Adrian's family beside themselves. And, and that, some of them tweeted really amazing things, which was like all my childhood, I was so ashamed of what was in my lunchbox. And now here is this whole primetime TV show celebrating it. Yeah. I know. So that's why I pick it up. Of course. And you've been so underrepresented for so long, gay people and Asian people in Australian television. I just think people saying, oh, if you want equality, I'm like, yeah, but it was so imbalanced for so long. But the, the, the lunchbox for me too, growing up, I mean, my, my nickname in primary school was Stinky Box, which is not ideal for a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just as well it wasn't in your teen years. That would have been no. much worse. Because my lunchbox used to, like the whole corridor of my tiny primary school used to smell like pastrami and Romano cheese. And now people would pay like $30 for the tasting plate my lunchbox was. But back then it came from the Vic market or the Preston market. And I just wanted twisties, a Prima and a Vegemite sandwich. That to me was the dream. But I had like focaccia, homemade pasta. I had the whole thing and I'd open my lunchbox up, an old stinky box would open up and I'd be like, oh, you wog, you stink. And it was something that really stuck with me. And I've got a bit emotional too watching that going, oh, but lunchboxes can be multicultural, guys. <laughs> I wish they would do that. If only they bring in the M Stinky Box Challenge one episode. <laughs> oh, my God. M Stinky Box Challenge needs to happen. That is incredible. <laughs> now, uh, we have been – I don't want to drag you into this debaucherous net. Oh, I, I have think been you do. I think you do when you are. <laughs> When I yeah. say we, I do mainly mean me. I've, although I have, I'm very, ups, well, I'm not upset. I'm concerned about Britney Spears and I've been closely following her during this pandemic and what she's been up to and who she's been with. And I only check in, I only allow myself a check in on her Instagram every say, like I would say once a week, I just check in on Britta's. Um, I had to unfollow her because I was, I just had to really 
back off because it was a little bit too much. <laughs> is it because you get too, so, too concerned, too much maternal concern and you yes. you've already got enough kids to worry about? You can't handle Brittany as well. No, but I feel oddly protective of her because I completely relate to being a highly functioning human on the edge the entire time. I just, I really understand how I think she might have clo- teetered over the edge a little bit more than you have. <laughs> well, you might have maybe publicly. I feel like she's, she's lit a bonfire on the other side of the edge. <laughs> maybe, but I just wanted to be happy. I just wanted to be okay. okay. And, and, and I have to say um, she stopped posting videos where she talks, which is a bit sad because I did enjoy her unique inspirational take on life. And mm. now it's just hardcore workout videos and shots, shots of her in like white denim booty shorts and crop tops. And she kind of looks like a slightly unhinged hot milk maid. And I'm totally here for this. And there's also a lot of dance routines. She's got this beefy boyfriend slash personal trainer because she's a diva and that's pretty much required Half when you course, want a boyfriend. Yeah. And have a listen here. This was their video on Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Show them how to dance, baby. Now, if you continue to watch that video to the end, Michael, you just see him dancing with his pecs and he just gives off menacing vibes for me. I don't trust him. All of your Britney protective instincts have flared up. I can sense it. <laughs> You would be like, it's always like I'm imagining Brittany bringing him around to dinner and you're going, hi, just sort of eyeballing him. 100%. Skeptical. I'd be like, what are your guilty intentions? Guilty until proven woman? innocent, but most likely guilty forever. <laughs> Look, I'm just, I'm not feeling good about him. But she did post a joke today, guys. Guys, she did post a joke. What did the pirate say when he turned 80? I'm 80. <laughs> <laughs> If you really want to deep dive into Britney's Instagram, my favourite one ever was <laughs> she posted about the the um, the remake of Doctor Doolittle, which had oh. Robert Downey Jr. And um, if go scroll back, find the poster, and she's like, "I just love this movie. I love this movie so much." And then at one point, she goes, "Now, if you're like me, you may be so excited by all the colour, you forget to follow the plot. Just know it's about a man that can talk to animals." I, <laughs> I love that so much. I think about it a lot. How that happy so Britney true. was watching Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> but forgot to follow the plot. Amazing. <laughs> but her caption under her joke was, who likes a good joke? Laughter is the cure to everything. Laugh all day if you may. <laughs> Especially in these confusing times. <laughs> <laughs> She's so charming. But you're worried about Love him her. and I, I understand. Another celebrity I've been practising on is Matt Damon. He's actually been in Ireland on the outskirts of Dublin in a small town called Dulkey since March because he went there to shoot the Ridley Scott movie um, to finish shooting The Last Duel, which sounds horrendous. Then the corona hit and him and his wife, Lucky Luciana, I always call her Lucky Luciana because she is living <laughs> the dream. She's, she, she's the dream I used to tell myself. She was a waitress and she was uh, serving Matt and he took a shine to her. They hit it off. Now they have multiple children. He took on her child she already had from her first relationship. It's every girl's yeah. dream and if, also, you're, if just, you're in the service on industry. On top of it all, it could have been Ben. She got Matt instead of Ben and, and you wouldn't oh. have known it 20 years ago, but what a coup. <laughs> what a coup. <laughs> Indeed. So they decided to stay in Ireland, which I love, and also just happened to have a couple of teachers on hand. So I've been in lockdown. As yes, you do. <laughs> but it's brilliant. 
weird. And and they would have given the teachers the opportunity to fly home, you know, like, oh, you don't have to stay here and lock down in this mansion in Ireland with Matt Damon. Do you want to go home? Can you imagine being the teacher? <laughs> like, this no. is so much better than my family. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I often, like, Matt Damon is the celebrity by whom I would most want to be adopted, I'm pretty sure. I don't think he's in the market for a 40-something gay Australian, but... He looks like he gives people a good life. Oh, I agree. I just, I love, I, I really do enjoy him and his life. And I've followed it so, so closely. I do feel like he's a friend. And when I read things like Matt Damon might be moving to Australia, you know, because he wants to be near his mate, Chris Hemsworth in Byron Bay. I'm like, I actually consider moving my family to Byron Bay when I hear that kind of thing. <laughs> Considering just to mimic a lifestyle or to enter their social circle. A little bit Sorry. of column A, a little bit of column B. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you. On the decking with yeah. Elsa. What's her name? Elsa Patas, whatever her name is. Pataski? Pata- yeah, Chris Hemworth's, Hemsworth's wife. Yes, Elsa. Yeah, yes, I'm, yeah. I mean, 100%. She'd be there in her, like, bikini, drinking sangria. I'd be covered up under, under an anxiety blanket, head, neck to toe, wetsuit. But um, your blood would, would run cold if she ever said anything bad about Miley Cyrus because you would be like, oh, my God, Miley is extremely bad. You'd want to preserve the friendship with Elsa so you'd go, oh, I know, I know. She's out of control. <laughs> take a slug of your gin. <laughs> I'm so two-faced in this situation, okay. <laughs> but I love him. So he's staying in this Irish village and all the villagers got together and decided they'd keep it a secret for him. Isn't that the most delightful thing? Then someone ruined it, took a photo of him and shared it on a WhatsApp group and one of the family members leaked, leaked it to the local press. But <laughs> he was there He was there undetected for at least five weeks because the villagers all got together and went, we're not going to ruin this for Matt Damon. How nice. It sounds like a premise for a charming, independent British feature film comedy waiting to happen. Not British, actually <laughs> Irish. You might say, oh, it makes more sense to film it there. It just seems the like it seems like some sort of little cosy little sort of full Monty-esque thing about the superstar yeah. or Notting Hill-esque thing about the superstar <gasps> that comes to the quirky town and is stuck there forever. That's and so I am, good. I have to admit, for me, people in beautiful country locations have won. I am a... a live in very dense inner city yes. sort of life and I always never ever feel jealous of Em except for now. She lives amongst <laughs> the trees. I do. <laughs> you come out here all enough. Bushfire I'll be right season, here, all bushfire season <laughs> I was sitting there going, oh, Em, she's out there. Well, no. She's brought so much stress but it's really turned around. It's really turned yeah. around. Really, for those, if you're living out where I live in the pandemic, it's very, very idyllic and lovely and nice. Now, before you go, you have been speaking of Corona, you have been facing a bit of a dilemma in the writing room. So for people who don't know, you need to explain the show you work on and what's happening with it. Well, it is my show, but it's it's almost every drama is facing that. So I'm on a show that's currently shut down, five bedrooms on Channel 10, about five single Mm -hmm. people who live in a house together, bought a house together to beat the property market. And we're going to go back shooting. I want... I want it noted. I wanted the show called Single Story, but anyway, she went. Yes, and wanted the show called Single Stories, which is which has a little bit of a pun element. And uh, I believe the network felt that they didn't want the focus to be too much on the fact that they're single. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, now we're starting to think about you know how we would uh, deal with a third season as we finish the second. And the question that we're really struggling with is: Do you incorporate coronavirus and the pandemic? into your storylines, or is it just kind of set in a world where you pretend it never happened? Is it going to be distracting and annoying and passe, especially if it doesn't go to air till next year? If you're sitting there watching next year and you see a TV show, you Mm. you reckon do it? 100%. Really? Because I love to see my experience reflected. That's how... 
I fall in love with things. And it doesn't matter when it happened. If it's something so earth-shatteringly relatable, like if it is, you know, arguing with your family over who's breathing the loudest or, you know, um, illegally seeing your friends or just funny little things that have been going on, I love yeah. seeing that reflected in shows. So I, I relate because to things more if I relate to them. Neighbours is one of the very few TV shows that's managed to keep filming because they've managed to do social distance building, a bit like MasterChef. And, um, mm. and they made an executive decision that they would not deal with it, even though the actors do have to physically distance on set, so it would have been easy to write in. But they felt like, well, people are going to tune into Neighbours because they want an escape from it. <sighs> um, no, but the, like, we're only getting the medical side of the news you know, we're only getting the stats and the death rates and all the, like, but there's a human side that doesn't get covered by the news. There's, there's the minutiae, there's the, all the little nuances that the news don't bother with. And I think that's your job to reflect back in a TV show. And it's also just really, really weird because we're writing, you know, we're writing for a show that now will come out in 2021. And it's like, what, mm. will people still handshake then? Probably not. Will I people, know. like, will, will, will overseas be? travel be happening by then? And also, will there be a vaccine by then? Will that have all have happened by then? It's so impossible to know. But I just think so, that the opportunity well to people for people writing your... period shows for whom everything's very, very <laughs> clear. For those of us that are supposed to be writing as though it's the contemporary world, it's really confusing at the moment. Well, I would love to know what you guys, the Emsolation listeners, feel free, what do you guys think... Michael should do. Do you think that the show? Should, do you want to watch a show reflecting the human side of Corona, or do you just want to be in La La Land and watch fantasies? I just feel like there's <laughs> a really put great your own opportunity. Spin on that question. You've put your own spin on that question. There. <laughs> How dare I think you? You've editorialized a little. Bit. Are you saying that was biased? <laughs> I just think there's a great opportunity. Do you want to be an idiot or are you an evolved, intelligent person? (laughs) I'm just, I'm just giving people the chance to be right, you know, and it just. But also, it's. I think people are also noticing. You know, the most popular television show in America at the moment, by an absolute country mile, is Friends. Everyone is watching Friends, not anything current. And there's a theory that a lot of people just want to like go back, go into a world where the pandemic doesn't exist, that they're turned off by the pandemic. Oh. Anyway, we well, all know we that in the end it'll be the Channel poll. 10 executives that will, will probably end up telling me what I can do and can't do, but I would be no. interested to hear. Where when do you this stand? episode goes out... Do you want to watch right. your yep. fictional characters in the pandemic or do you want it to just be sort of smoothed over and never happened? Yes. All right, well, I'm going to put put a poll up on our Instagram at Emsolation Podcast. I'll put a poll up once this episode goes out. And we'll see what the listeners think. Oh, I love this. It's so interactive, Michael Lucas. <laughs> no, I may just continue doing all my writing this way. <laughs> That's how I do it. All right, you better go. Um, but uh, I'll talk to you. I'll see you Friday night. Tomorrow night. I'll see you tomorrow night. You will indeed. This is Emsolation. Okay, well, we're so lucky to have him. I mean, he didn't have a choice, you know what I mean, because we're good friends. Joel Creasy is my funny friend. You know, on Thursdays I like to check in with my funny mates. Joel is no exception. He has been in lockdown with his boyfriend, Jack Stratton-Smith, who is a lovely human, very lovely to look at too. Not that that matters, um, but they've been hilarious. I've been enjoying their escapades. And uh, here he is, the wonderful Joel Creasy on what's been going on for him. Hello, M. Rossiano. Hello, Michael Lucas. Hello, Insulation listeners. And hello to me, lying on the bed in the spare room, talking to myself while my boyfriend 
whinges and moans upstairs because he's about to have a root canal. Anyway, probably wasn't meant to share that. (laughs) And not the good kind of root. I mean, like an actual dental root canal. Anyway, I'm recording this on my brand new microphone that I bought. Given that we're in isolation, I thought I better get all the the proper tech. So I brought myself a fancy microphone. And Em, you can back me up on this. I'm 29. (laughs) That's it. No, I'm 29, but I'm not very tech savvy. Like I know nothing about tech. So I bought myself a microphone, bought myself a fancy camera. haven't switched that on yet. Did buy myself a ring light though which I'm using right now. And as I'm talking to you, I'm realising that I'm recording a podcast and turning the ring light on probably wasn't necessary. But hey, I look fantastic. So we're here now, moving on. I'm loving your chat about MasterChef. I mean, that show has stood the test of time. I bloody love MasterChef. Do you remember season one of MasterChef? It came down to Julie Goodwin versus Poe in the finale. Either of them a worthy winner. Both of them incredible people. So I loved it, right? I was obsessed with the first season, Master Chef. Master Chef. Ooh, Master, I promise I haven't had a drink. I was obsessed with the first season of Master Chef. It's like a vocal warm up. And uh, my friend Ashley and I, both seventeen, would watch religiously. And then the episode would finish, and we'd race down to our local IGA Express, get all the ingredients for whatever they made on that episode, run home and make it. I mean, real cool 17-year-olds. Most other 17-year-olds were hanging out behind Garden City with a goon bag and getting a wristy. Nah, me and Ashley were recreating Julie Goodwin's Lemon Diva Cupcakes, which is a true recipe. <laughs> I'm such a nerd, I even remember. That is a true recipe that Julie Goodwin made on MasterChef. They had a cupcake challenge. This is back in the good old days of MasterChef when it was just like, this week, cupcakes. This week, Cakes. See, I couldn't think of anything more creative off the top of my head. This week, seafood platters, stuff like that. Very simple. Anyway, Julie Goodwin made a lemon cupcake one week and named it her Lemon Diva Cupcakes and won the challenge. Amazing, right? Anyway, flash forward, right, about seven or so years later, I'm 24, I find myself in the African jungle on the first season of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. It's tough. I've been there for about two weeks. I've lost a ton of weight. I'm grumpy. Who walks into the jungle as an intruder but Freddie... Well, first of all, Freddie Flintoff walked in, the English cricket captain. He won the show, but that's not the important part. (gasps) Julie Goodwin from MasterChef, and I lost my mind. Now, first of all, can I just say, one of the most delightful humans I've ever come across, adore her. But I had spoken so much prior to her coming into the jungle about these bloody Lemon Diva cupcakes that when Julie arrived about four weeks in as a, like, treat like, because we won a challenge or something, they sent, the producers sent in the ingredients for Lemon Diva cupcakes for Julie Goodwin to make me in the African jungle over the campfire. Now, part A of that story, well, point A, rather, is that making cupcakes over a campfire don't really work. B, I have no idea where this story is going, but Julie Goodwin is one of the toppest of top people I've ever met. And C... Am I counting with numbers or am I going A, B, C or one, two, three? Can't remember. I'm losing my mind in isolation. C, at the end of the day, M, you will always be my lemon diva. Gosh, I hope this story makes sense. Anyway, I love you both. Mwah. Oh, lemon diva cupcake indeed. Love it. Oh, my goodness. He, he, he was obsessed with Julie Goodwin for so long. I mean, who wouldn't be? She's the loveliest human. I know she's been having a hard time and I hope she's okay. 
I um, want to thank you, Joel. That was great. You are great. And I want to thank all of you for listening to this episode of Emsolation. Hopefully you got something out of it. I don't know what that would be, but I hope you did. Don't forget, tomorrow morning when you wake up fresh like Christmas Day, there will be a bonus ep of Emsolation. I'm chatting with the wonderful Michelle Andrews from the Shameless podcast. If you don't know who those girls are, go and Google Shameless right now. She does it with her friend Zara. They are former journalists. They are editors. They are writers. They are the future. They are the way. That's tomorrow morning. You'll be able to hear that chat. It's a wonderful chat. I've already done it and I know you're going to get a lot out of it. Thanks again, everyone. I can't believe I get to do this. And um, hopefully enjoy tomorrow's bonus app. Have a wonderful weekend. And we'll hear you back for regular insulation on Tuesday. Bye, guys. A Podcast One production.